Good morning, everybody. All right, this morning, if you would do me a huge favor, I need to ask that you would scoot in a little bit. Like, look around, like, it's kind of full today. How great is that? Um, And here's what we're thinking. You smart people who came to the second service instead of the first service because we're having a birthday bash this afternoon. So way to go. Uh, uh, You are smarter than I am. I'm thinking the first service, like, where'd everybody go? And here you are. So glad that you are here. So let me just say happy birthday to us as a church. Uh, We celebrated five years as a a church yesterday. And uh, today, yeah, that's pretty, pretty exciting thing. Pretty big milestone in the life of our church, and so we are going to celebrate it epic style this afternoon. So we have a party, a birthday bash, beyond birthday bashes. You've probably not been to a party until you've been to an epic party, okay? So we've got some bounce houses already out there going on. We've got some cornhole already set up. We've got uh, all kinds of games that we're going to be playing this afternoon. So hopefully, uh, if you need to go home and grab some different clothes, hopefully you can do that very quickly. Some stuff that you're comfortable with, some stuff you may not mind getting a little bit wet, a little bit messy. We're even going to have a fear factor finale that you will not want to miss. And we will have a pie throwing event. So if in our last series on conflict resolution, that created some conflict for you, you could come and throw a pie in my face. I'm just saying it could be fun for you. So I hope that you'll come back, um, bring a chair with you. Hopefully you got a chair. Um, if you need a chair, grab one. Well, I'm sure we'll, we'll figure out something for that. Um, and if you've invited some friends, hopefully they'll be able to come and join you for that as well. Now, if you are a guest with us today, I'm so glad that you came. I think you came on a great day, not only because we're throwing a party and you're invited, but we are starting a brand new series today called Into the Light. And it's a great opportunity for you to kind of catch what we're doing at the beginning of a series. In this series, we are going to explore a tension that we all face in life. It's a tension between two things that we are equally attracted to. It's a tension between light and darkness. And for this series, and really for all of life, light represents God's truth. Light represents a life lived the way that God wants. Life represents when we apply God's truth found in Scripture. And darkness represents those moments in life where we don't want to follow God's truth. Those moments where we say, God, I'd rather you leave me alone. I don't really want to be bothered by that bright light you're shining into my life. I would rather do things my way. And we're all tempted to live in that spot between God's light and the darkness that our world offers. Now, this may or may not surprise you, depending on how well you know me, But I struggle with that tension all the time. I struggle regularly with this tension between living in God's light and living in the darkness that our world provides. I don't always live the way that I should. I know that may shock you. I don't always want to live the way that I should. I don't always do what God wants me to do as a man, as a father, as a husband, as a leader. There are moments I say, God, just, just, I got this one. Like, your light's a little too bright. I, I, would, I would rather do things my way in this moment, in this season of my life. Can you turn that light off, please? 
There are moments that, that I do that. There are moments that I prefer to live in the shadows. Now, don't get me wrong. I love the light. I love the light of God's truth. I love the fact that God has given us his written word as a guide for our lives. And, you know, as you read the Bible and understand it, it really is like a light that can help us in the darkness of our world. It's like walking a path at night and you have no light to see. You're not sure where to go. And God's word can be that light. And we can shine the light of it and it can guide us on the journey of where we need to go. And as we read the Bible, we come across things like God's grace. We were singing about that this morning. God's amazing grace. And I am so grateful for God's grace, especially in those moments when I have messed up my life in some way. And I say, God, I so desperately need your grace. And I'm so grateful that God offers it to all of us. And then we stumble upon the light of God's salvation. And I'm so grateful for salvation. I mean, the reality that Jesus died so we can live. I mean, you think about the concept here, how profound Christianity really is. Instead of telling us, hey, work harder, do more, you can get there, God comes along and says, you can't, so I will. You should die for the sins that you've committed, but I love you so much, I won't let that happen. I'll die for you. I'll die so you don't have to. I'll die so you can live. And that is extended to anyone who chooses to believe. I mean, that blows my mind that a God would love us that much to do that for us. I love the light of God's truth. But if I were honest, I would say there are moments that I prefer the shadows. I would say there are moments that we prefer the shadows. We don't want total darkness. We understand where that leads. That's not a good thing. But there are moments we just want to be kind of in the middle. It's kind of comfortable there, isn't it? There's moments we just like to be close enough to God's truth and his light because it's nice. We, We love the benefits we get from that. And yet there are moments we just kind of like to be close enough to the darkness because there's some things there that we enjoy. And so we kind of find ourselves living in this this no man's land called the shadows. And we all wrestle with living in that spot. Anytime we give in to temptation of something that we know we shouldn't do and yet we do it anyway, we slip into the shadows. When God comes along and says, hey, there's one way to eternal life, there's one way, and that's through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and if we say, there can't just be one way, there has to be more, then we slip into the darkness. When God gives us clear instruction in scripture for how to live, and he says, listen, I'm gonna teach you the best possible way to live, and any moment we say, I don't wanna live that way, I think I have a better plan, we slip into the darkness. And we live in the shadows morally, relationally, financially, and even theologically in how we understand God and what it means to have a relationship with him. And that's where we're going to start today. We're going to start with a guy who is living in theological darkness. He thought he had a great relationship with God, and then Jesus came along and shined a light into his world. and said, let me show you, you're living in darkness. You're actually living in the shadows. I am a Pharisee, a Jewish religious leader, not just any religious leader, but a member of the ruling council. My life is to understand, to live the law of my people to the letter. I am an example to show my people how to live a right life. You see, the Pharisees eat, drink, and breathe the law. We live and die by the words of the Torah. The strict adherence to the law is our salvation. The law is our salvation. 
We live a life of doing. Our lives are ordered by the law. There is safety in the law because you know what is right, what is good, what is wrong, what is sin. This is my life. This has always been my life. But I hear this rabbi, this man they call Jesus, speaking of a new way, a way of grace. He sees the law and says that it's not so much about the doing as it is the acceptance of grace. His teachings are a contradiction to our strict lives. No, not just a contradiction, a threat. We are insulted by the idea of grace because grace insults the law. Grace means that we cannot live a life of doing to be saved. Grace takes away our ability to do. We despise this man and his teachings, but I have questions about this grace. Questions that cannot be uttered in daylight. Questions that cannot be asked among my fellow Pharisees. I want to talk to this Rabbi Jesus to learn about this grace, but I can't risk what others might think of me. So I meet him at midnight to ask my questions. So that video introduces us to a guy in the Bible named Nicodemus. And this uh, story that we're going to read, this true story, has the ability to shine the light of God's truth into some theological darkness that we may be living in. And it has the ability to bring us out of that darkness. So we're going to start in John chapter 3, starting in verse 1, where it says, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. Now, let me explain what a Pharisee means for just a moment. A Pharisee was a specific type of religious leader in Jesus' day, and they were known for their strict observance to God's laws. They were so passionate about following God's rules, they made up other rules for following the rules. And they were known for being prideful and arrogant. So you would see them walking around looking down on people as if to say, we are super spiritual and you are not because you're not as committed to God's laws as we are. So if anybody has an in with God, we do. And if you want to have an in with God, then you need to join our group. You need to to learn how to become more like us. And you would think that a group like that would have really loved having Jesus come around. I mean, their whole purpose was to do right things so they could have a strong relationship with God. And then here comes Jesus, And you would think that they would have loved that. You would think that they would have loved to be around him, but they didn't. In fact, they hated Jesus. They hated what he taught. They hated the fact that he claimed to be God in the flesh. They hated that he broke their rules and said, hey, there's a better way to a relationship with God. They hated that he taught ordinary people could have a strong relationship with God. So they hated him so much that that eventually led to his death. They were the ones to help get him crucified. And their hatred of Jesus explains verse two. So verse two says, after dark one evening, Nicodemus came to speak with Jesus. So why would he come to speak with Jesus after dark? I mean, what's the purpose of that? He didn't want anybody else knowing why he was there. He was fascinated by the light that Jesus was shining. He was intrigued. He had questions. He wanted answers, but he didn't want anybody else knowing that he, a religious leader, was going to this controversial guy named Jesus to get answers. He didn't want anybody to know that, especially his Pharisee friends. I mean, what would they think? They might kick him out of the club or worse. They might associate him with Jesus and have him crucified as well. So in the safety of darkness, Nicodemus went in to explore the light of Jesus. I think uh, to a large degree, all of us at some level in our journey 
have been or are like Nicodemus. You know, there may be some things about, about Jesus or Christianity that intrigues us, and, and we want to explore that a little bit more. Maybe you're here today in that, that spot. Maybe, like, you're, you came in because somebody invited you to, to a free lunch, and you're like, hey, free lunch, I'm in. That's great. I'll tolerate, you know, the whole church thing. And maybe you're here today thinking, I hope no one finds out at, you know, work tomorrow that I went to church on Sunday. But maybe you have questions. Like, maybe you're curious. Maybe there's things that you wonder about the light that Jesus offers, and you'd like to know, could it really help you? And if that's you, I am so glad that you're here today. I'm so glad that you came, and I know that Jesus is glad you came, because here's the reality. Jesus knew in that, in that interaction with Nicodemus why Nicodemus came when he did. He knew it. And he easily could have said, Nicodemus, come on, get real. Come see me in the daytime. When everybody sees you as a religious leader coming to talk to me, but Jesus didn't do that. Jesus said, like, I understand what you're doing. I know why you're coming in the safety of dark. You don't want people to know that you're coming to talk to me, but I'll embrace that anyway. I'll invite you in. And so if today you're here just kind of hoping to slip in late, slip out early, I'm glad you're here. Jesus wants to invite you into a conversation. He wants to shine the light of his truth into your light just a little bit more. Verse two continues with Nicodemus saying, Rabbi, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evident that God is with you. Now notice, he's not saying, we know your God in the flesh come down from heaven. He's not saying that. He's just saying, hey, it's apparent that God is with you. It seems like there's some cool things you're able to do. You've got some miraculous signs that you're performing. So it seems like God's just on your side. So he makes that recognition. And Jesus kind of cuts to the core of the conversation that is on Nicodemus's mind. And in verse three, he says, listen, here's the deal. Let me just shine you the light and, and, and go straight at this. I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus goes like, what, is, what does that mean? How is that possible? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked, and Jesus replied. You're a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? I think one of the the things that Jesus was talking about in this moment with Nicodemus, one of the lights that he's shining into his light is this, that it's possible to know a lot about the Bible and to miss the whole point of the Bible. It's possible to have a whole lot of spiritual understanding and to miss out on what true spirituality really means. Again, Nicodemus understood God's laws. He created rules to follow the rules, but he didn't know God. He didn't understand what a real relationship with God was all about because he thought it was about doing right things, and Jesus comes along and says, listen, You're just living in the shadows. Let me shine the light on that in your life. In verse 11, Jesus continues and he says, I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. 
But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven in return, but the Son of Man, referring to himself, has come down from heaven. So Jesus straight out tells Nicodemus, listen, I'm God in the flesh and I'm here to bring light to this world. And that was, again, eventually what Jesus was crucified for by the Pharisees. Verse 14 says, And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness. Now, for most of us, we're going, what? What does that mean? But this is the spot in the conversation that Nicodemus would have gone, oh, okay, I get that. Okay, that makes sense. Like, I've heard that Bible story all my life. Like, you know, I remember that as a a little kid in Sunday school. I remember seeing the flannel graph. Like, I I get that one. Okay. Okay, we're on the same page here. And then Jesus says, I'm going to stretch your understanding of what that story means. So just like that happened in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Now, let me explain the snake on a stick thing for a minute. So in the Old Testament days, uh, God used Moses to free the nation of Israel from slavery 400 years to the Egyptians. And they, he, God was guiding them to the promised land. They went on a journey. They disobeyed God. So they ended up on this journey for 40 years in the desert. And as they were on this journey for 40 years, one of the regular things that they would do was complain about God and Moses. All the time, they were complaining about God and Moses. So in one of their sections of that story or of that time frame of, of their, them wandering in the desert, God allowed some poisonous snakes to come into their camp and start biting people. And they, start make, they started making the connection. Oh, this isn't good. Like, like, we were complaining. We were sinning against God, saying, God, you're a bad God. Moses, you're a terrible leader. Like, you should have just left us in Egypt in slavery. And that was wrong. So they went to Moses and said, please forgive us. We have been sinning. Please ask God to take these snakes away. So what God did was he didn't take the snakes away. He left the snakes, but he told Moses, here's the deal. I want you to create a snake out of bronze, okay? And then I want you to put that on a pole, and I want you to set that pole up in the middle of the camp, and whenever someone in the camp is bitten by a poisonous snake, all they have to do is look to the pole. If they just look at the snake on a pole, they will live. They will not die. So Jesus takes that concept, takes that that true reality, and he stretches it for Nicodemus and says, you know how that was a way that people could live in that time frame? Now, what I'm telling you is I'm about to be hung on a cross. I'm about to be put on a pole, and I'm going to die. And all people have to do is look to me in order to live. So that snake on a, a stick was just a symbol of what I'm about to do for all of humanity. So again, there was a moment Nicodemus is going like, I get it, I get it, okay, I, I know that, that Old Testament story, and then wait a second, I don't get it again. Like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? So Jesus continued to radically challenge everything that Nicodemus understood about a relationship with God. Verse 16 is probably the most famous Bible verse of all time. And if you're a sports fan, you've probably seen someone in the stands holding a poster board that says John 3.16. You may have never understood what in the world that thing was all about. Well, I'm about to read it to you, okay? So John 3.16, Jesus said this, for God loved the world so much 
that he gave his only, one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Now, Nicodemus would have had some major problems with what Jesus just said there. I mean, Jesus was already like, moving his, his theological understanding of what it meant to be in a relationship with God, and, and he continues with this. And this could have been a deal breaker. This could have been a conversation ender where Nicodemus said, that's it, it's over. Like, I can't handle it anymore. You've, you've pushed every boundary that, that we've always known. And here you go, crossing the line again. But he didn't. He stayed engaged And he allowed his eyes to adjust a little bit more to the light of God's truth. So the first thing that Nicodemus would have had a problem with is Jesus saying that God loved the world. For Nicodemus, that wasn't true. God loved the Jews. God didn't love the world. And then the second thing that Jesus said was that eternal life was available to everyone. And Nicodemus would have said, no, it isn't. No, it it isn't. It's available for the Jews. And not just any Jew. It's available for the Jews who follow the rules like us, Pharisees. And then Jesus said that eternal life was available to anyone who simply believes. And Nicodemus would have said, no, it isn't. It's about doing right things. It's about earning it. And Jesus comes along and says, it's not about earning it. You can't earn it. It's about belief that Jesus died on the cross so you can live. Now, verse 17 Jesus goes to a whole new place, uh, takes this conversation to a whole new level of complexity. He says, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And Nicodemus at this point is going, you gotta be kidding me. Like, what are you talking about? Nicodemus wanted God to judge the world. Nicodemus wanted God to judge anyone who was not following their rules. And so he was expecting, waiting eagerly for God to judge the world and free the Israelites from the oppression of the Romans in that time frame. But Jesus was saying something different. Jesus was saying, no, that's not why God sent me into the world. And so often our world thinks that God's a God of judgment that he's just kind of waiting up in heaven for us to screw up. So the moment you screw up, he's going to send a lightning bolt down to punish you. But again, that's not the heart of our God. God didn't send Jesus into the world to judge the world. He sent Jesus into the world to save the world. If you this morning are a Christ follower or not a Christ follower, if you this morning would say, listen, I'm not sure I believe all that stuff. You need to know that God doesn't want to judge you God wants to save you. He wants you to choose to become a part of his family. That's that spiritual birth that Jesus was talking about. He wants you in his family. He wants to save you. In verse 18, Jesus continues by saying, there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. Again, talking about himself. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son, And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world. That's Jesus. But people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. And all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. For those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God 
once. There was a kindness in his eyes as we spoke. A kindness that I've never seen in the cold interpretation of the law. I was frustrated after our conversation. He said to me, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. What does it all mean? He spoke as one who knows, but I, I am stuck in the ways of the law, and this doesn't make any sense. What does it all mean? It's physically impossible, impossible to be born again. He smiled at my confusion. Then we spoke of our father Moses. At least I knew this well. The law started with Moses, but he explained that grace started there as well. He said that God loved the world. God doesn't love the world. God loves us Jews. He only loves those of us who follow his rules. But Jesus said God gave his one and only son not to judge the world, but to save it. He is saying that there is a new way, that he is the way. The truth is, the law means that we have to live perfect lives. But the Pharisees, those who are the epitome of right living under the law, also fail. We fail. Rather than living in the light, we cover up our flaws and failings in our lives. The law means that we struggle against this nature that propels us to sin. But we don't share this fight. We hide it. We hide in the shadows. The law of judgment casts a shadow over the light of grace. But Jesus invites me to believe, to believe in him. He invites me to come into the light, to expose my life, my failings, my sin, to the light, and to find this grace. So Nicodemus had a lot to think about after that interaction with Jesus. And he also had a decision to make. Was he going to continue living in the shadows of the truth that he thought he knew, or, or was he going to embrace this new reality that Jesus was talking about? Was he going to see that all of his rules would never be able to get him into a right relationship with God? Was he going to see that God's love and grace is available to all who choose to believe instead of just for a select group of people? Well, from all indications in Scripture... Nicodemus embraced the light of God's truth. Later, after this, he stood up against his Pharisee friends to stop some unjust attacks against Jesus. And then after Jesus' death, he and another guy took Jesus' body to prepare it for a proper burial, something that the religious leaders would have been like, no way, like, you, you can't do that. They would have been very offended at that action. So again, it appears that, that Nicodemus took a huge step into the light of God's truth. But how about you? Like, where are you at in that? When God shines his light into your life, where are you at in, in believing Jesus? Are you walking in the light of his truth? Or are you hiding in some theological darkness somewhere? Jesus said in John eight twelve, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So are you following Jesus? Have you been born again? Or do you think that you can get to heaven based upon you being a good person? Maybe you think that you can get there by the good things that you've done. Maybe you think that you know, God is a generous God and, and if, you know, you stand before him one day, maybe God will put your good things on a scale and your bad things on another scale and whichever weighs more will, will get you either into heaven or apart from God. 
But when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he told Nicodemus, you can't be good enough. And if we compare ourselves to Nicodemus, there is no way, no comparison. Nicodemus again followed the rules to the letter of the law. And Jesus told him, not enough. Like, your goodness is not going to get you eternal life. Jesus told him he had to put his faith and trust in Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. Again, being born again is a spiritual thing. And the interesting thing about the comparison that Jesus was making between the natural birth and a spiritual birth is that how many of you um, decided one day that you would be born physically? Like how many of you said like, I'm tired of hanging out in this, you know, this goo or whatever, you know, cosmic whatever, you were out there doing whatever, and you're like, I think I'm going to get my mom and dad together, you know, hook them up, and I'm just going to be born, it's going to be awesome, we have a great life. None of us. But when it comes to being a part of God's family, we get to choose. God says, the choice is yours. To be born again is a decision that you can make, that you choose and say, I believe that Jesus is God in the flesh who died so I can live and I make that decision so I can step into God's family, so I can be born spiritually. That's what Jesus was talking about. Now, if you've never done that, if you've never uh, been born again, if you've never been born spiritually, I'm gonna guide you through a short prayer that can help you step into the light of God's truth. And so here's the prayer, and I just want to explain a few things about it. So the prayer goes something like this. God, I admit I'm a sinner in need of a savior. That's an important piece of, of any kind of conversation with God when it comes to becoming a follower of his. Where we say, like, I can't do it. I can't be good enough. I can't earn it. That's why Jesus came, a savior came. Now think about this. If we could earn it, if it were possible for us to be good enough, why would Jesus die on a cross? Would you do that? I think Jesus would have come and said like, hey, try harder. You know, be like the Pharisees. You know, if you reach their level of, of following the law, then you can be in a right relationship with God. But Jesus didn't say that. He said, you can't. It's not possible. You're a sinner. You can't get there. You need a savior. So I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I believe Jesus is God in the flesh and died so I can live. And today I'm stepping out of the shadows and into the light of your truth. So I ask Jesus to come into my life and be my Lord and my Savior. God's a gentleman. Scripture says that Jesus will stand at the door and knock the door of your heart. He will not barge his way in. He asks to be invited and you've got to open the door of your heart and let him in, invite him to come in in order for you to be a part of his family, in order for you to have a spiritual birth, in order for you to be born again. And then it finishes by saying, and I commit to follow you the rest of my life. So it's that simple. There's nothing magical about those words and that is not the secret code. You don't pray that and go, I'm in. I said the words. That's not what it's about. It's about the sincerity of your heart where you say, I believe. Jesus, you are the light. You died so I can live. I believe that. And I'm trusting in you and what you have done for me. Here, here's this. If, we, if you think you're going to get to heaven and trust on what you have done to get in, you're out. 
If you get to heaven and trust in what God has done for you through Jesus, you're in. It's amazing. It's profound. So it makes Christianity so profound. So it's that simple. It's a decision that we make about God's truth. So if you've never prayed that prayer before in your life, I'm going to circle back to that prayer in just a minute and guide you through that and give you an opportunity to have a conversation with God and be born again. But maybe you're not ready for that prayer. There may be a few of you that say, you know what, that's great, that's intriguing, I see that light, I'm intrigued by it, I wanna take a step closer to it. And if that's you, maybe you've got more questions. You say, I've got some questions, like I gotta get some answers before I take that big step. And if that's you, I encourage you to be like Nicodemus. Take a step. Go talk to someone who can help you with that. Don't just hang in the theological shadows with your questions. Go get some answers for the questions that you have. Talk to someone. And if you've got questions this morning and you need some help, I would love to talk to you. Find me after service. Find me this afternoon uh, out when we're having fun. I would love to point you in a direction to get some answers for the questions that you may have. Now, let me talk to another group of you. There may be some of you who have a relationship with God, and yet you found yourself falling into some pharisaical thinking. It's a sad reality about us Christ followers. It happens often where we step into God's grace, and it's amazing, it's free, it's available to us. And then after a little while in that journey, we start finding ourselves judging people around us. And maybe, if you were really honest, maybe you would say, I don't think Christianity is for everybody. Maybe you'd say you think Christianity is just for the people who look like you, dress like you, talk like you, vote like you do, and read the same version of the Bible you do. Maybe you're kind of sitting around watching the news, watching our our culture, watching our world, and waiting for God to judge it. Just like, come on, God, like zap them, like give it to them. You know how sad that is? We're missing out on God's number one top priority plan to reach the world. His plan is to come and save the lost, to seek and save those who are lost. Again, God sent Jesus into the world to save it, not to judge it. And if you're a follower of Jesus, God wants us to follow along with his number one top priority plan to reach people who don't have a relationship with him. People who have not been born again, people who have not put their faith and trust in him. God wants us to care so much about our neighbors, our coworkers, other students at school that we will tell them about Jesus. God wants us to care so much about our community that we will take every opportunity that we have to shine the light of Jesus' truth for people in our community so that they can come to know Jesus. That's one of the reasons that we're doing our event on October the 19th called 3G Sunday. Uh, You see I'm wearing my 3G shirt this morning. Um, It's an opportunity for us to really learn how to be the church. So on that Sunday, what we're going to be doing is church a little different. So we're going to be gathering a little earlier on Sunday morning, and we're going to be going out into our community to serve our community. We have about 16 different projects that we're going to be doing together. We'll be working at three schools in our county. We'll be helping with another Habitat for Humanity build, working with Grace Community Food Pantry, painting three houses in Benel that I don't think have been painted in over 30 years. 
uh, working with the city of Bunnell on a cleanup project, working with the city of Palm Coast on a painting project, working at Flagler Beach with some beach cleanup stuff, serving another church in our community, and more. We have opportunities for first grade and up, and we need about 300 of us to sign up and, and, and join in in doing this. Last year, we had 259, I think. And this year, we need at least 300 of us to jump in and get active in serving our community. You can actually go on our website later today and you can see all the serving opportunities. And I think you can go ahead and start signing up for those. And once a project fills up, then we just need other people to, to jump over and fill up another project. But let me tell you why we're doing this. We don't wanna just do church. We don't want to just come in here and care about the people that come on Sundays and give each other hugs and, hey, good to see you, see you next week kind of thing. We want to learn how to be the church for each other and then how to be the church for our community. The most important thing that we could ever do for our community is shine the light of Jesus into their lives. The most important thing that anybody in our community could ever decide is to become a part of God's family, is to interact with us in some way, somewhere, and go, what are you guys about? I don't get it. Why are you serving on a Sunday morning when you should be like in church? Why are you wearing those shirts that say a church for people who don't do church? What in the world is that all about? We want to shine the light so people can take a step closer towards Jesus and become a part of God's family. And, you know, I think one of the real ways that we can do that is by meeting real needs of people in our community. It's something that Jesus did. He did it on a regular basis. He would heal the sick and he would feed the hungry in hopes that their eyes would be opened and their hearts would be opened to a relationship with him. And so on October 19th, we're gonna go out and serve our community in in as epic way as we possibly can. And I hope that you'll join us in pointing people towards Jesus. Now let me cycle back around to the first group of people I was talking to this morning people who might be ready to put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So maybe you're ready for that. Maybe you're ready to do what Jesus told Nicodemus to do, to be born again. And you're just like, like, I get it. I understand. Jesus is the one I need to look to. And I believe that he died so I can live. And I'm ready to enter that, that relationship. I'm ready to be born spiritually. If that's you, I'm going to guide us through this prayer again. And again, nothing magical about the words, not the secret code. God cares about the state of your heart as you talk to him. So I'm gonna invite all of us to just close our eyes and and pray for a moment. And if you need to talk to God, if you need to pray this prayer to God and say, God, I believe that Jesus died and I wanna be a part of your family, then, then you pray this in your heart to God. So here we go, let's pray. God, I admit I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I believe Jesus is God in the flesh and died so I can live. Today I am stepping out of the shadows and into the light of your truth. I ask Jesus to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. And I commit to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Now, if you've prayed that prayer for the first time today, I want to encourage you to do several things. Number one, I encourage you to tell someone about it. Uh, Tell someone that, that you came with. Tell someone at home. Tell someone at school. Just tell someone. You just stepped into the light of God's truth and had a spiritual birth. That's an exciting thing. And I think you should tell someone about that. Second thing I think you should do is go to our website, theepicchurch.com. We've got some great resources there that can help you grow in that new relationship with God. It's under our resources tab. And then I think you should get into a small group. You know, we can't do life alone. God never intended us for, for us to do life alone. He wants us all to be connected relationally with other people who love him and are, are wanting to live more like him. Is here's the reality. Every day you and I are tempted by our world to step back into the shadows and out of the light of God's truth. So we need other people to help us live in the light as the way that, the way that God wants us to. And Tim's gonna tell you about that, how you can get connected in one of our small groups in just a minute. The last thing I encourage you to do is get baptized. On October 26th, we have a baptism down at the ocean. We love to celebrate with you the decision that you made this morning. And it's a very symbolic thing. It, it, it's, it's not your salvation moment. You know, putting your faith and trust in Jesus, making that decision is your salvation moment. Now, when you get baptized, it's something that Jesus modeled for us. And it's something that demonstrates to the world a decision that we've already made. And so when we go underwater, it's symbolic demonstrating that we're dying to our old lives and being raised to new life in Christ. So if you've done that today, would love to help you celebrate that through baptism on the 26th. And, and you'll hear more about that in the next few weeks. Now, my hope for all of us in this series is that we will all take one big step into the light of God's truth. And we're all in different spots in our journey, but my hope is that you'll be able to identify throughout this series one area where you would say, you know what, God, I've been living in the shadows. Like, like maybe it's new for you and, and stepping towards the light is a brand new concept. Maybe you've been in the light and you've kind of found yourself just sliding back into the shadows in some area of your life. So my hope is that we will identify those things and we will fix those things. So um, next week, we will talk about another way that we're tempted to live into the shadows, step into the shadows. And I'm gonna pray and then Tim's gonna come out and give us some announcements. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm so grateful for your truth and the light that it provides to our lives. Lord, you know us and you know that we are tempted to to live in, in between your truth and the darkness that our world provides. Lord, so often we just find ourselves wrestling in that place, trying to get the benefits of of both. And yet, God, you're calling all of us to step into your light and to live there. Lord, this morning, there are some people here that have questions. They're intrigued. They're like Nicodemus. They, They want answers but they're a little bit nervous about all that. They're not sure they're ready to to fully embrace all that that Christianity teaches. So Lord, I pray for those people that they will find someone who will help them answer the questions that, that, that they're trying to get answers for. Lord, I pray for those who may have been courageous enough this morning to pray that prayer and to step into a spiritual birth and become born again, part of your family. I pray that you would grow them up in their new relationship with you. I pray that you'd get them connected in a small group where they can continue to grow in that relationship. Lord, we need each other. 
And Lord, I pray for those of us who may be Christ followers and, and maybe we've found ourselves thinking a little bit like the Pharisees. Maybe we're looking around kind of judging people more than trying to, to lead people towards you. So Lord, you sent Jesus into the world to save the world, not to judge it. And Lord, you ask us as your followers to, to care that much about our world that we will join you in your mission of reaching the lost. Lord, I pray that you would help us do that. Open our eyes to the reality of that in our world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, Trent, for beginning to show us what God's heart's really about. Well, as Trent mentioned, there are 300 spots that we need you to help us fill to impact our community that's coming up in October. And as Trent mentioned, uh, the projects are up on the website, all 16 of the projects. So we need you to go to the sign-up tab. I would go today because as those projects begin to fill up, uh, there's a certain spot or a certain number for each project, uh, then that will close for that project. So there's a lot of us here, and so it's going to be an awesome time together to do that on a Sunday. Well, my name is Tim Jones, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and uh, I have several important announcements to share with you, especially in regards to the party that's about to begin after this service. So if you could, would you grab your announcement sheet? It's on the benches that are out there, and let me highlight a few things. If you're new with us today, we're so glad that you're here with us today. Please stop by our Connection Center. That's the place that we would love for you to stop by. Uh, There you can find out more information about Epic, and we would love to have a conversation with you to figure out any of the questions that you might have and answer answer them for you at that point. Next week is our final week for our food drive that we are partnering with Grace Community Food Pantry. So thank you so much. You guys have done an amazing job so far bringing in bags each week full of food for that. And so uh, if you have not participated and you'd like to participate, then you can grab a bag right over here. We're returning them in. And if you have bags that you'd like to bring in, uh, next week is our final week for our food drive. And then we'll present some numbers of what you guys have done to impact our community together. And then next Sunday as well, we are having a night of worship. We're partnering with several other churches in the area for a night of worship together. And so Life Coast is coming together, Coastal Community, Epic, Palm Coast Community Church in Parkview. It's going to be at Palm Coast Community Church at 6 p.m. There is child care for those who are sixth grade and below, and so it's going to be an amazing night of worship, and so we highly encourage you to come out for that. And then if you are interested in joining a community group, please check this out. We'll have been married for a year next month on August 12th. Yep. Yep. We didn't start with our names. Cecil Clay, (laughs) C-E-C-I-L-C-L-A-Y. He spells it all the time. Uh, Rhonda and I, we've been married 32 years. We'll be married 24 years. Kidding now? 11 years. 11 years Sunday. On Sunday. She's <laughs> awful with directions, and I'll tell her, why, why didn't you turn right there? And, why can't you see it the way that I do? And I'm like, think logically. <laughs> She's addicted to her iPhone. At our wedding, before while I was getting ready, he gave me a frozen turkey. You're just being dramatic. Marriage is tough. It is not easy. The sex part of it's got to be good. I mean, can I say that? The sex part of it, you might edit that out. Well, obviously that is for our couples group experience that we're going through. 
Um, but if you've been through Starting Point, then the next step for you is we would love for you to jump into a community group. And we have community groups for men, women, and couples. And so we're doing something a little bit new. Uh, we are putting on a five-week experience for men, women, and couples to come on out, to come to a, an evening where you can uh, go through a great curriculum as a large group and then break up into table groups and really get to start to know each other. And by the end of the five-week experience, you'll be forming a community group, a community group for either men, women, or for couples. And so if you are interested in that, we need you to register for that. And the women's group is at four o'clock on Sunday, starting on October 5th from four to 5.30, and so is the couples. And then the men are from seven o'clock at night till 8.30. There will be childcare uh, for the groups that are meeting from four to 5.30 for sixth grade and below. And so what we need you to do is if you're interested in joining a men's, women's, or a couple's community group, we need you to register. And so you can see myself, I'll be right back by the tech booth at the end of the service, or you can sign up online at the sign up tab. And so that will allow us to know how many of you are desiring to jump into a community group through that. And then if you want to, uh, there is another way that you can partner with Epic. If you call Epic your home, there's two ways that you can give. You can give through the giving boxes uh, at the end of each section or online at theepicchurch.com. Now, let me give you some instructions of what we're about to do as we're about to celebrate five years of Epic uh, out there on the field. So uh, what we need you to do, if you are parked in this area, which most of you are parked in that area, we actually have to close that area. So if you like keep your car over there, well, you, the party's going to continue for you like through the night because you can't go home. Um, so we need you to move your car. And this is where all cars need to go. We need you to go through the main entrance of Wadsworth Elementary School, there's actually a big parking lot in between the school and Beltaire Park. And so that's where the majority of us need to park. So if you would, as you're making your way over there, take your car, park through there. It's closer to the park and everything. Um, and so that's the main spot that we need you to park in as we still want to kind of continue to allow people who are playing tennis today and everything to use the parking lot that's over there at Beltaire. Uh, the other thing that we need you to do, if you are new to Epic, man, we would love to have you come on out. So please, you know, go on home, get some comfy clothes, bring a chair. If you forgot your chair, go get your chair real fast. Um, we're going to have lunch provided and all of those things. And then finally, we need to break down this area. And so we've got a lot of extra hands today. So if we can, uh, yep, enjoy going on over there. Um, if you could help us break down this area, then we can all go over there really fast to uh, celebrate Epic as five years.